Welcome in everyone to the Sunday recap. You guys, we're back. We're back. It's amazing. It's been like three weeks and we haven't like seen all of us together. Well, some of us didn't go anywhere. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, here we are back. This is Chris McLaughlin here with Ariel Eldridge and Mitch Green. How's it going, everyone? Good. Good. (laughs) It is good. Understated, you guys. That's so understated. You should be more excited. It's a Tuesday morning. It's cold outside. Yeah. The weather's been great, though. I've been loving the Mm. cold mornings and the nice afternoons. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. I just flew back from Phoenix. So for me... Yeah. Man, there was better weather out there. That's well, yeah. Why would anybody ever move from there to here? Yeah. What do you say? Anybody ever. Why are you all looking at me? <laughs> you did it. <laughs> Literally, it's like I just need to take my family out here. We'll just go out there. Oh, it's good. Yeah. What were you doing out there? Tell us about your Oh, uh, your playing trip. some golf, NASCAR championship, hanging mm-hmm. out with some good friends. Yeah. Oh, it was it was an absolute blast. That's cool. Pastor Luke was out there with you. He was, man. It was awesome. Yeah. It was fun. So had a good time. Very lots cool. of golf. Lots of sleep. Yeah. Which is good. Nice. JC didn't hear that I'm part. Actually... Lots of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, you with this kid the whole time? You're sleeping? <laughs> I was actually really surprised you didn't go to the um, World Series because you're a big Astros fan, right? Yeah. I mean, I could have gone to Atlanta or we could have gone to Houston, but the problem, the problem was that I was going to Phoenix. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. You, yeah. I'm getting older and I have a kid, you know, yeah. I can't just go anywhere I want. Yeah. I can only go most of the places choices. I want. <laughs> like, you, you just can't pick up and go on that swingers cruise every year. Yeah. You can't yeah, do no, it. No, no, that's, <laughs> that, that needs a lot of details that <laughs> this podcast is, is not okay. going to get. It's okay. Just tell them the story. It's yeah, okay. I, I have to now. Goodness, I won't have a job now after this. Now you have to. Yeah, Luke Calvert and I went on a cruise together. We signed up. We get there. We saw a lot of sketchy activity <laughs> a lot of pineapples a lot of pineapples a lot of sketchy activity amongst married mutual oh, my couples right. and we realized about halfway through that we were on a boat of 3000 people total and 1800 of them were swingers <laughs> somehow swingers took over the cruise we went on <laughs> so yep it does some it does some things to you cuz yeah. you start to once you, I mean if you're on a boat with anybody for a week you start to think like this is the world. Uh-huh. So in my mind I'm like how is half the world doing this? <laughs> this is horrible. Yeah. This is horrible. Yeah. Jesus come back now. Right. <laughs> like, right. That's how I felt about it. But <laughs> yep, that's it. There's the details so you there don't you get go. me fired. <laughs> yeah. We've been on a swingers cruise Luke and I together. It's <laughs> so funny. They got back from the trip like you guys. You won't believe what this cruise was like. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, man. Well, Ariel, it's good to have you back. How, how are you feeling? You guys getting better? Yeah. So we, our whole family, every single one of us had the coronavirus. Yeah. And, uh, and we're, we're, doing, we're doing well. We're doing much better. The boys, honestly, they were unfazed, and I'm amazed by that. Like, kids seem to be just, like, riding through this virus like it's no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jeremy and I, of course, Jeremy's in his 40s. I'm almost there, and uh, it's taken us some some time to sure. get through it. Oh, sure. Um, but we, we, feel, we feel really blessed. We stayed out of the hospital. We didn't have major breathing issues or anything like that. So Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, so I'm, I missed you guys. I really did. And it was fun to get to hear, like, some guests on the show. I loved getting to hear Jen help host. And, yeah. Um, and hear Rachel and Brian and um, oh, who else did, Peter's did you have, name. Mitch? Oh, Peter. Yeah. Yes, Peter <laughs> He was awesome. Yeah, Peter did a great job last week. Yeah. And awesome. Peter's a Boilermaker, so anytime mm-hmm. you have a Boilermaker on the show is Hey-o. a good day. <laughs> yeah. Man, Boilers. <laughs> this is time for the sports segment oh, okay. of Sunday Recap. <laughs> the Boilers have been unbelievable lately. <laughs> What's the deal? We lose to a bad Wisconsin team and we beat the number two team in the country and the number three team in the country right on both sides of it. Unbelievable. Purdue is looking good. It's special. Do, do you follow? Do you follow Purdue? Sports, Ariel? A little bit. A little bit. Okay. Um, so you do it a little bit more than more I do. Than... Yeah. Dude, they have been. Yeah. Your question should have been, do you sport? Do you, do you sport? Do, do, you, do you physical do you athletic sports? talk? <laughs> okay. It's make fun of story question time. I'm, I'm the worst at that. Well, hey, before we uh, this thing goes completely off the rails, um, uh, coming up in the life of our church is the Women's Christmas Banquet. And this is something that we've been doing as a church, man, every year as long as I've been here. It's, I know it's been going on for years and years. And we couldn't do this um, during COVID, but we're bringing it back uh, this year, which is super exciting. Um, it's going to be uh, coming up on Saturday, December 4th, right? It's the morning mm-hmm. of Saturday, December 4th. Um, and I know we're going to start talking about registration, stuff like that for it coming up very soon. But I, uh, Ariel, I, I know you, you know a little bit about what might be going on with it. Tell us a little bit about uh, yeah. that that event and what we can expect. Well, it's, a, it's an evangelism opportunity. So this is a great opportunity to invite people um, and have a meal together. We're not really sure yet what the meal is going to look like this year, if it'll be a buffet like, you know, like years past. But um, coronavirus has made some interesting changes. But we we still want to have fellowship and we still want to see women gather together for the sake of the gospel. Um, the speaker's going to be amazing this year because it's me. Yeah, I was waiting to see. <laughs> I was waiting to see your lead into that point. <laughs> that was better than I could no. have imagined. <laughs> like, I, well done. <laughs> I am praying daily that it will be that it will be okay and that it will still glorify Christ. So, um, but truly, truly, we do want people to invite um, friends, neighbors, family. Um, to just see what it's like to be part of the body of Christ, um, to be specifically sisters in Christ, and to have a meal together. So uh, definitely come. Make sure you sign up. All right. Women's Christmas Banquet this Saturday, uh, December 4th. So coming up in just a, just about a month from now. And you can look for registration on stonescrossing.com slash events. So look out for that. Well, uh, you guys, this week, Pastor Scott uh, began a new uh, three-week series called Counterculture. And in this series, um, I, he, 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 he set this up by talking about how we as the church need to be people who are marked by love, live by the truth, and live on mission. And I, 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 uh, I, I think that's the outline for the three <laughs> sermons, oh, right? Yeah, I so, think it is. So, Foreshadowing. Yes. So, uh, so this week... He really focused in on this idea about being a people who are who are marked by love. Um, I thought this was an incredibly uh, poignant sermon in a lot of ways, and also um, 
just just admitting to you guys, I walked away feeling very convicted too. Like there are some things in this where I'm like, oh man, I have honestly just failed to love people the way that I should in, um, in so many different situations. And, um, and so, um, I, I just kind of want to hear initially as we get started here, what was your reaction to the sermon just as a whole and how did it affect you? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Chris, that was, there were several points where I was like, oh man, yeah, this is, um, it's easy to think in the moment that we're being loving, but we typically love people that we like, like what he was mm-hmm. saying, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and I'm getting ready to speak to Mom's Crossing about relationships in the gospel, and it seems like um, the culture keeps telling us to cut out people who don't bring us peace and don't add to our, you know, mm-hmm. um, self-worth and all this stuff. And um, yeah. But the gospel is actually different. It's actually calling us to lay down our lives and love people who are unlovable because we are unlovable. Um, right. And so that's that's super convicting. Mm-hmm. Um and I know we're going to talk about it practically, like how we can even do that Absolutely, today, yeah. but um, I want to hear Mitch too. Yeah, no, I, I appreciated it. I thought it was really, um, I thought it was a good, timely, bold, you know, straight up, we're going to talk to our congregation and yeah. point us towards Jesus and encourage us to live more like him yeah. um, in that, a world that doesn't. That's what I was going to say. It, it felt like yeah. it was a family meeting. Yeah, I, and I appreciate it too because just even yeah, I mean, some of the behind the some of the behind the scenes stuff. You know, there there was another series that we thought we were heading into, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I appreciate you know a willingness to adjust mm-hmm. um, when it makes sense. Right. And so you know, I think um, I I just think it was timely. I think it's what we all needed if we liked it or not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, no, absolutely. We all needed it. Absolutely. That's so good. What I think is so interesting about this is I, I look back to certain passages of scripture like Acts Acts 2, 42 through 47 mm-hmm. is, is, a, is a key one. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast, but that, mm-hmm. that passage seems to sort of be a, um, you know, in the book of Acts, it's the first little snapshot of what the early church looked like. And, and one of the things that that little passage talks about is how the people um, in the church, ha- it, says, it says that they had the favor of all the people. In other words, people outside the church looked into the church and were like, I want what you guys have. You know, they, they, they were envious of, yeah. of, of what the church was doing. And I think that it was like that because of this, because of the way that the church truly loved each other um, and, and, how, and how key that is. So, you know, I want to ask you guys this because um, this is definitely part of my story as well, but who was it that really loved you first um, that, that where, you know, you got really loved into the church body? Because I know you guys grew up in the church, but but was there someone mm-hmm. that you can think back on like who really loved you into the church? I've been very blessed with um, great community my whole life, yeah. um, great mentors. Um, you know, the senior pastor I grew up with today. I, I have no idea how old he is, so I don't want to say, but he's old. Let's just say that, <laughs> and he still will send me messages and things while he lives in California. He's nowhere oh, wow. around. Yeah. Um, so I've always had people investing in me, pouring into me that way. Had a great group of friends in high school that ministered to me in so many ways and still do. Um, mm. Youth pastor who took a lot of time investing in me, even when I was really a turd to him. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, just really, I have, I, I think that's one of, again, as you're saying, one of the greatest um, 
you know, reasons, you know, like, you know, you believe firmly in who Jesus is for who Jesus is, not the blessings of what he gives you, but the blessings have been such a a solid rock um, for me and the greatest being the community and the people that he's placed me in, placed me around. Um, That is such a blessing, man. That really is. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, cause I think I've had moments where people have invested in me, but not to the extent that I think that you're talking about. Yeah. I think that's just, just such a blessing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I just, I mean, God is, God is, there's been great communities, uh, great people. Yeah. That minister to me and my family. And that's been, yeah, yeah. I, I, you've taken, it's one, like you said, you've taken, I've tasted the loving community that you want everybody to be a part of. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What about you, Ariel? Yeah. I was sitting here trying to think of specific moment and, um, having been in the church since I was a little kid, like I've seen both sides of it. I've seen, I've seen Christian community not be very loving mm-hmm. and I've seen it be the way Mitch is describing as well. Um, and I think it's such a testament to what God is doing um, in the life of a believer who he carries along and continues in the faith, even though they go through hard things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it teaches me a little bit about love as well is that people are very imperfect. And sometimes we put a lot of um, a lot of emphasis on other humans to be, um, something that, that they maybe are incapable of without the Holy Spirit. And, um, and so even in the church, there are people who, who, um, won't be like the Acts 242 folks. And I would say even with the Holy Spirit, like, like sometimes we, we elevate people to this level, right? Like where it's like, Hey, they're going to be my functional Jesus in some ways. And they, you know, you end up being sorely disappointed Mm -hmm. in the end, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. But I, I mean, um, the Lord is so good. He is so good and he's so steadfast that I can see throughout my life, you know, where he has planted people, um, especially in those seasons where it, it seemed like things were hard um, mm-hmm. and that I didn't feel very loved. Yeah. Um, and so I've had, I've had good peers. I've had people who've um, barely known me. And I think that's probably even more impactful. And Scott talked about this a little bit on Sunday was loving people that you don't even really mm-hmm. know because you are in the family of God. Yeah. Um, and I've had people treat me like that where they just don't really even know me, but they love me anyway in a way that is familial. Um, and that's incredible. That's, yeah. that's something that the world can't offer. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the first time I really ever felt like that for me was when I was in high school <laughs> and um, there was a guy who, who was a, he was a walk-on freshman on the water polo team who invited me mm-hmm. to come to his, to his youth group. And this is, this is what I remember about this experience. I went to that youth group that night and it was a small youth group. There was maybe eight kids there. Okay. Mm -hmm. But all eight of them were kids that I knew from my school and they were the kids that were the kindest to me. They were the ones that, that, that truly like loved me at school. So when I showed up there, I felt Mm -hmm. instantly like I was among friends. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, even though I hadn't really know, I didn't really know them as well at the time. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Wow, like I know these people, and they're the ones that have really, you know, they've they've loved me already." And that was that was crazy. I mean, that's why I went back. Yeah. It, it was it was like I was like, "Oh mm-hmm. man, this 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 place is is a place. It's a safe place for me to go to." Mm-hmm. You know, um, so so part of what I I'm. I, I think was so helpful with this message is that it drew me to this place of like, you know, not, not only do I want that for myself, you know, I want people to love me because I think that that's what everybody wants. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes our, our mind in this sermon could go to that place of, 
well, who has loved me? You know, who's loving me right now? And, and we can get um, despondent about that. But I think more than that, we need to take it to steer it to the place of how am I loving others? Mm-hmm. How am I really mm-hmm. being the one that is loving people? Because if that's something that I want, then truly there's other people that want that too. Mm-hmm. And I need to be that for other people, right? So um, before we get into like all of the the ins and outs of, you know, how, uh, like, you know, maybe tangibly what we do in order to do this, the, the question that I want to get to is more how we do this, um, which is something, Ariel, you, you brought up before we started recording this morning, because functionally, we don't have the capacity for this um, on our own, right? I mean, this is, I mean, this is nothing new. We've talked about this on the podcast, but Ariel, can you kind of begin the conversation here and unpack what is the issue? Why is it that we, we don't really have the capacity for this? Well, I think um, when, when we are without Christ, we're living in the flesh and our mind is hostile to God, right? So mm-hmm. uh, we see that in Romans and, um, and when we see that playing out, like, we see the world doing kind things, but I think that what we're seeing is probably um, the effects of them being in the image of God, um, image bearers, whether they're Christ followers or not. Um, it's kind of a common grace. Um, but we just don't have any power in ourselves to do mm-hmm. the things that are that are of the law and of what, what God requires. And, um, and so it requires a force outside of us. And Mitch talks about this a lot. And I love that you do because, um, we need something completely outside of ourselves and completely outside of, of this created world, um, to, to help us even begin to start to do the things that are of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's so amazing because, you know, when, once we are, um, united to Christ by faith, then then the power begins um, mm-hmm. through the Holy Spirit, yeah. um, which I think is what you're wanting to, to chat yeah, about. Yeah, it, it's so interesting. Like, it, it, you know, if you've ever been around little kids, right, mm-hmm. um, you know that kids inherently are kind of like that, right? Like they can't see past the end of their nose in that sense, mm-hmm. where every their whole world is about them, mm-hmm. right? And as we grow up, that doesn't really change. I mean, not without the Lord's help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't really change. Um, all of our motivations, all of our intentions are very self-focused at the end mm-hmm. of the day. And so because of that, um, we are trapped in this. Uh, like that's why Paul says that we are slaves to sin. That's why Paul says that that if we are in the flesh, that we are mm-hmm. slaves to that. You know, we, we, can't, we can't break out of that. We are uh, just by our sinful nature – by, uh, by the curse of the fall, we are stuck in this place of just serving our flesh. Yeah. We can't see past the end of our nose. Our world is just about us, right? I think that's why it's, you know, you go into a series of counterculture and you're very quickly, you're, you're expecting to be given some direction on what you need to do, like what kind of actions we need to do to fix culture. But it's important to really begin with the work that God's doing within yourself, um, to recognize how your spirit's sitting in this moment, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. and to because without operating out of overflow, you know, operating out of your relationship to Christ, um, you're really operating on empty, and and you'll run dry, yeah. you know, and so it's like Christ has to be the anchor of our love for the world, um, or it's motivated mm-hmm. by something else. Yeah, um, and I think that's that's the great reminder you know, um, that we need to recognize what God is doing in us 
in this moment as much as what God is calling us to. And if we don't see that God's probably working something out in us, we're really going to struggle to engage in what he's calling us to in the world as a church. Yeah. And so I think that's why it's important, again, like as you're saying, Ariel, to recognize um, how do we do this? Well, it begins by recognizing our tendencies towards the flesh, right. um, our tendencies to want to see things to go our way, want to see things to happen the way we want, um, whether it be politically in our personal lives and our relationships. Um, and then how do we respond when those things don't go the way that we want? And I think for a majority of our congregation, we're saying that a majority of people are not seeing things go the way that they want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so has that affected the way that we love those around us. Right. Um, and I think a majority of our people, at least everybody that's been given a microphone this week on our staff <laughs> has said, yes, <laughs> it has affected how we think towards other people. So yeah. we need to remind ourselves that God's doing a work in us and we need to operate out of that yeah. as we love the world around us. Yeah. Um, trust him in that, um, trust him to go before us in loving other people. Um, but all of it's motivated through Christ, not necessarily our own power to just muster up more love for our neighbor. Right. Mm-hmm. How, how is it that our union with Christ, let's get to that idea. How is it that our union with Christ is actually the, the key to, to, to growing past that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I mean, again, God is at work, um, in restoring our souls. We're being sanctified, um, to mm-hmm. live, act and look more like Christ in our lives, um, all by the power of God through Jesus's death on the cross. And so as, so as we're on that process, on that journey, um, as we anchor ourselves towards Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. to use his own metaphor, um, we, you know, we'll bear fruit. Um, and the fruit is, you know, not for our own gain, it's for his gain, but, but it's like fruit, fruit is, you know, fruit, it grows on a tree that is rooted, yeah. um, that is producing, um, that is, that is getting the life source of Christ. And so, you know, to follow that metaphor out, it's like, as we reflect on what God is doing, um, how, like where our spirits at, what's going on in our life, you know, we need to go back to Christ. We need to go back to our, to his word and we need to anchor ourselves to those truths and then operate out of those things. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. so, so I think actively it looks like a commitment to God and his word, a commitment to prayer, a commitment to seeking him. Um, let that be the anchor of our lives. The alternative would be anchoring yourself to something else. Sure. So whether that be a news source or a person, you know, like you said, we can make something else our Jesus. <laughs> you know, that's what some people do. Yeah. Like, you know, a political leader or an inspirational or a coach or something. <laughs> it's like anchoring ourselves to God's word, um, commitment towards Christ, prayer, and then walking um, through life, not separating the two things, mm-hmm. you know, not having deep, intense study, but it has no relation to your life mm-hmm. and not totally focusing on your life and never going to God's word. Yeah. It's kind of a commitment to two of those things and then walking forward in that. Um, and bel- and I mean, and I believe that God will grow you um, yeah. in his likeness through that. Yeah. It, it, one of the things that maybe I want to point out just in what you're what you're saying is, there, there's a difference between the sanctification that God does within the life of a believer instantaneously upon their yeah. justification. Mm-hmm. And there's a, and then there's a difference between that and then the progressive side of it that you're talking about, like where, yeah. where it's like coming to bear fruit because the instantaneous side of it, it, it it's something that it, 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 it's hard to describe, but scripture does, does tease this out over and over again, where, where Paul seems to indicate that we have already been 
made righteous. We have yeah. already been, mm-hmm. been, uh, you know, seated in the heavenly places and like all of these blessings that God has given us in our union with Christ have already been given to us in him. Yeah. And yet sometimes we don't feel like it, right? We don't, mm-hmm. we don't act that way all the time. And so Paul is trying to remind us, you already are that way. So, so in other words, uh, when we talk about this, this type of idea, this sort of self-centeredness, this self-focused, uh, nature that we have, um, where we are not loving other people, one of the things that that I think we need to get to is, well, actually, you know, you used to be like, like, let me back up a little bit. Like Ariel, you brought up Romans chapter eight, where it says like, you know, those that are um, of the spirit, right? Versus those that are of the flesh. Mm -hmm. He's saying, you're already not of the flesh anymore. You're of the spirit. Like that's done. So, so, so start acting like it. You know, <laughs> start, start, start acting that way because you're, you're no longer bound. You're no longer mm-hmm. imprisoned to this idea that you have to just serve yourself and your own flesh anymore. You have been mm-hmm. set free from that. Your very nature is now different. And so live that way. Yeah. In Ephesians chapter five, I think Paul does a really good job giving us imagery that fleshes out well, fleshes out, but but gives us exactly what we're saying, um, the picture of this. So he begins in chapter five, verse one, and he says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Yeah. So he's already, he's already given us two different images there, you know, being an imitator of God, walking in love, um, just as Christ loved us. And then also, also this imagery of a fragrant, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But then he carries on and he says, for at one time you were in the darkness, but now you are in the light. This yes. is verse eight. Yes. Um, in the Lord walk as children of the light. Yeah. Now, again, Ephesians background, he spent four, cha- three chapters telling us that we've been <laughs> justified by God. Right. And he's saying, so therefore we do this. And then he carries on and he gives this imagery. This is in verse 14. He says, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. And then this is the, like the piece of what are we doing that we're talking about? This is verse 15. It says, look careful, carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're justified in Christ, but it's like the best use of our time is to walk as an imitator of God. Yeah. Like this is, this is what life forward looks like is trusting in God in these things. Paul's not, you know, Paul doesn't argue that we're not justified by the work of Christ or we have to do these things to maintain or earn God's love, but rather he's like, this is the wise thing to do. Yeah. You're no longer dead. <laughs> you're alive. You're no longer asleep. You're awake. Yeah. <laughs> so walk as an imitator of God. This is the best use of your time. Yeah. Right. That's really good. I'd love to go back and just talk about um, for a second what we've truly been rescued from because when you're in the flesh, you cannot please God. Like it cannot happen. Right. And I don't think we really sometimes give full um weight to the fact that we were dead in our sin. And what dead means is like laid out, unmoving, (laughs) not breathing, Mm -hmm. not able to do anything that pleases God. And um, I mean, I I personally forget that. I think, oh, well, I I can, you know, I could do whatever I needed to do. Um, But what we've been set free from, when we've been set free from sin, we actually are able to choose the, the path of righteousness because we have become children of light um, by our nature. And that's so exciting. That's so exciting and freeing because it, it makes me realize like the Lord has done the work and yeah. now I just get to walk in it. Yeah. Yeah. Your very nature has been changed. 
the very, right. very, yes. very being. It's yeah. crazy. And it should give you a perspective for everybody else in the world. Yeah. I think, I think that's the other piece of why do we love people? Well, because, you know, outside, outside of Christ, they've not experienced that transformation. So right. it's like, I mean, often I think we put expectations on people to live within as if they have a covenant relationship with God, which they don't, <laughs> you know, yeah. like yeah. We, right. we expect them to do things exactly the way we want right. when we really should expect them not to. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you said, Ariel, anything that they do that is good is probably God's common grace working itself out in their life. And right. so, um, if when we understand that, um, it changes our perspective where we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be angry towards people as much as we should be sympathetic, um, that we should recognize their true needs, um, rather than just even right living, <laughs> you know, yeah. just getting them to do right. the things that we want. We should really want, um, redemption for them in Christ. Well, let's look at the passage. We're we're now you know thirty minutes into this podcast, but let's look at the passage, everybody. <laughs> um, it's a short passage. This is um, in uh, sorry John chapter thirteen, verses thirty one to thirty five. I'll just read it really quickly. He says, "When he had gone out, Jesus said, "Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in Him. If God is glorified in Him, God will also glorify Him in Himself and glorify Him at once." Little children, yet a little while, I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another." A couple of quick things I do want to point out about this passage is some of the language in here is really pointing to this idea of of the new covenant, this idea of of a, of a new covenant community. And I think verse thirty three, when he says "yet a little while," um, that's an Old Testament reference to a number of of different passages, especially in Ezekiel, um, a couple other places in the Minor Prophets, where they use that term, you know, "yet a little while," "yet a little while," and it talks about the, Lord, the then the Lord's return, right? And so when Jesus says that, that triggers people's memory of like, oh, he's talking about eschatology. He's talking Mm -hmm. about this is when the Lord is going to return and things are going to be made right. And so, um, and so we live in this, in this tension right now, right. Of the now and not yet where the Lord has returned, uh, but his second coming has not happened yet. And so we're still waiting for his second coming. Um, But he is referencing that even now, uh, in this new covenant community, this is how his people ought to live. Uh, kind of harkens back to all of that, all of that stuff from the old Testament. And, um, and so when he gets to verse 34, this is where he, he lays out this new commandment to love, to love one another as I have loved you. Um, and that all people will know that you are my disciples by this love. So just looking at this passage, Again, uh, you know, Scott brought this up in his sermon, but that Jesus presents himself as the model for, yeah. for love and for how we are to do this. How did Jesus love us? And how should we emulate that? In what ways? Yeah, goodness. I've, I've, I've like, as you've been talking, I've flipped through like three different passages just because there's, so, there's just so many good just kind of fleshing this out throughout, you know, the New Testament letters. But I think Philippians chapter two is one of my favorite where Paul really lays this out. 
chapter two, verse one, Paul says, and I love, he just gives, he is everyone, <laughs> you know, that, that claims to be a believer, but he says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort and love, any participation in the spirit, any affection, sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in the full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition and conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind amongst yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And then he carries on and he begins to talk about what did Christ do? Yeah. You know, so he gives the picture. Okay. So what is, what does that look like? Well, Christ who thought he was in the form of God did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself by being obedient, obedient of death, even death on a cross. Right. And so the picture that we see constantly is that Christ was willing to die. Um, you know, as Paul says in one of his other letters, you know, he, who, who would die for an unrighteous, you know, for a righteous person, let alone an unrighteous person. Um, and so, you know, Christ was willing to completely sacrifice himself, um, for the benefit of the others. And that is, um, that is, you want to live counterculturally. That's what you do, yeah. um, is that you're willing to see others as more significant than yourself, um, to see others as Christ sees them. It's a total switch of power structures and, and we kind of get it in our world, but man, this was even bigger than, I mean, we're talking about hierarchical you know, society <laughs> for them. Like we're talking where there are rich people and there are poor people and they are like broken down by class, you know, in the first century world, if we're talking about, you know, Philippians and Philippi and Paul is going to them and he's saying, no, 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 no. If you're here, everybody else is up here above you yeah. <laughs> constantly. That's what it looks like for Christ. You know, Christ who was a God, <laughs> you know, he was in the form of a God, didn't count himself as such for the benefit of others. Right. Meaning that he had a standing and he saw himself to say, this is my standing. This is my rightful place, mm -hmm. but I'm counting everybody else as more important than mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a radical um, countercultural worldview that I think is hard for us to grasp. I think we think we're the most important yeah. thing often. Mm -hmm. And he, Christ is saying, well, Paul's saying here as he's looking at Christ his teaching and then he's looking at it and then he's trying to spell it out for us. He says, no, you, you count as everybody else is more significant than yourself because that's the model that Christ gave that a God was willing to die on the cross for you. Um, so walk as such. <laughs> yeah. I think that's spot on. And there's, you know, just from, let's talk about that practically, you know, mm -hmm. in other words, you know, I think, I think what this is saying is, is if someone has wronged you, if someone has hurt you, your, your first question should be, how can I love them? Mm -hmm. What would be the most loving thing for them? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, if, 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 if someone, um, if there's someone that you know, that, that you do not agree with politically, how can you love them? <laughs> right. Or if there's someone that you know, that, that, uh, you don't agree with about, you know, even, you know, is, is from a different religion than you or is an atheist, how can you love them? If there's someone, you know, who, uh, is your neighbor and, they keep mm -hmm. throwing cigarette butts over into your, <laughs> into your lawn. How do you love them? Mm -hmm. uh, you know what I mean? I, I, like, like there's so many practical examples of this because we all are affected by sin, by, by, by the sin of other people. People hurt us. So, so it, it, our first response should not be, oh, I just hate that person. I'm gonna ignore that person. I'm gonna try to sh you know, like, kind of shun them or whatever. Our first response should be, how do I love them? 
I was going to say, I think it's important for us to realize that while we are offended by other people's sin, they're truly offending a holy God. Yeah. And I think we often put ourselves in His seat and assume that they need our forgiveness when really, truly, their sin is a is yep. is an offense against um, the Creator, and and we are we're not actually the ones who get to sit in judgment over them. That's right. Um, and and that removes a lot of pressure off of us when we can finally hand that over back to God. <laughs> that's spot on. <laughs> yeah, know? that is the mic drop moment. I that's think, ex- the yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's exactly what I was thinking through. And so I think it's even important, Chris, that you know, there's questions we need to ask ourselves. Okay, about how do we do this? But it's also what are the questions and the parameters that you've put in your mind before you're willing to love somebody? And do those yes. do those fit within this? And I think that's what's more often. It's like, well, I, you know, if they apologize for this, or I see them do this action, or they do this thing, then I'll then we'll be good, you know. And it's like, no, there's actually no parameters right. <laughs> like to your love. Like right. your love is to be endless because Christ's love was endless mm-hmm. for you. And yeah. so, while I, we were yet sinners, yes, Christ died for us. Yeah. Yes, and so I think yeah. that's the. That needs that we need to you know we need to say this is how we do it, but we also need to say what are the things that we're are in the back of our mind that we're like well, but until we're, they do this, we're waiting for them to apologize. We're waiting for them to repent. We're waiting for them to to, to change their behavior, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And what we are called to do is to love them through that, because mm-hmm. while mm-hmm. we were yet sinners, Christ died for us too. Yeah, and it's unmerited favor, right? It's not right. favor that that. They can merit if we truly want to show grace because we've been recipients of it. Then um, there's nothing that they could do mm. to earn um, what we've been given and should freely give to. Yeah, that is so good, so convicting. I'm so thankful mm. that God, in His wisdom, chose to do this this way, where Christ came to Earth as a as like 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 this is this is one of the benefits of 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 the way that Christ saved us is he came to earth as a human and and went through this so that we do have a tangible under like real understanding through his life and what he did for us um of course there's all kinds of other implications of that but i think one of the things that we do gain from that is to see his example and to see that um that this is how we are to live as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we neglect that, I think sometimes, but it, I just think it's so so good to go back and and talk about that and see how that actually changes the way that we live today. But Jesus Christ, the perfect image bearer. He's he's making it all right for us and that's 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 such good news because I mean we all want to we all want to um, bear the image of God and a restored way and we just couldn't do it on our own and so mm-hmm. he's done it for us it's yeah. beautiful well we will end it there i think wrap it up um thanks so much for listening this week you guys uh thanks for joining us you know we're going to go through this series for the next few weeks next time we're going to be talking about this idea of living by the truth and um i'm excited to get into that and and uh talk through what that all has uh really what that means for us as a culture today that really wants to throw truth out the window. So we're going to be talking about next week on the Sunday recap. So we'll see you all then.